In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears, real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk? Get vaccinated. But but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't give Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? And welcome back to another episode of No Silence Podcast with your host. Now, nah, fuck that with your low glasses, Malone. The thing about No Silence, um, you listen to, I don't really do interviews. Mm-hmm. I always find myself just talking to interesting people about yeah. interesting shit. And 
something I always looked at that you did that I had an idea and everybody thought I was crazy. Like I had wrote a porno. Mm-hmm. Like I wrote it. Yeah. And I wanted to produce and shoot it. Now, I didn't want to direct it, but I yeah. wanted to produce it. But it was raunchy as fuck because it was a slave <laughs> porn. <laughs> I know, right? Wow. Myself street crib, right? Like, <laughs> no, for real. And it was like plantation. I was going to yeah. shoot on a plantation. Slave masters, mm-hmm. slaves, you know, just all yeah. the crazy shit that can go on. And I wrote it, and it's dope as fuck, but I just never could go through with shooting it. Now, I don't know if God was just on my ass about it because he's like, nigga, you just, I give you all this intellect, and this is what you about to do with it. But I just thought, like, I'm one of them type of niggas that, like, when I fuck with shit, I want to just make this shit. I want to make an impact. Yeah. When I used to sell Sherm, like, I had... I was branding my Sherm and shit. I had a really interesting take, even though for real, as, as my older homies would tell you, like I, I be about to hustle and I write down like when I start selling weed, I wrote down all the profits. I was looking at the ideas. Okay, these niggas is bagging up eight hundred and fifty dollars off a, a pound of stress. Mm-hmm. Okay, well look, I'm finna fuck all that. I'm finna bag up four fifty. <laughs> so my my nickel bag's finna be crazy fat. And we almost got our hood into a whole gang war with PJs and Mona because I had these cheap ass bags. But I can't help it. That's how my brain works as a creative. Like I don't know how to be in some shit and just get by. Yeah, you got to push the envelope. You yeah, stretch the walls a little bit and make oh, it a God. new shape. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. So it's funny, you know, when you in with another creative person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to like, when, when do you feel like you kind of just was like, yeah, I ain't tripping. I've done enough. How long ago? Oof, man. Well, easy funeral was music. That was definitely, that was it. The, sure. the day of the that was it. I'm good. Just that fast. I didn't years. think. That's 12 years. No, that's 25. That's 25 at 80. Back then? No, he no. was. Oh, you saying he's saying how long ago it was? Yeah, you ninety record. You no, saying it was twelve years no, into his career? He had already been making record. I know for sure. I heard. I seen surgery. Oh yeah, yeah we that was. I've been in the music game before, way before music. I was just DJing, like one of the first DJs. That's crazy. So when the first time you DJ? Had to be. I think I, the first DJ actually I did. I was a kid. My brothers. Uh, wedding reception, Man. and it was eight tracks. So I wasn't mixing it then, but yeah, but, but the night before, the I had cued all the songs, so I can just put in the song and push play, and the hit of that album was there. Wow! It, and I didn't know I was DJing; I was just playing some music. First time you got a table, yeah. When's the first time you got a table? High school. So this is you high school. You had to be eighty. Eight. Yeah, 1980. You went to Compton, right? Yeah. Tar Baby. They have Tar Baby kids. <laughs> I wanted to go to Compton so bad, my mom was like, nah, nigga, you're going to Paramount. They ain't got no AP classes at Compton. Shout out, rest in peace, Olivia, man. She was not, yeah, she wasn't fucking with nothing that didn't have AP classes. Oh, yeah. I think she knew my mind was already doing a lot as a kid. So mm-hmm. She was trying to keep it distracted with all of these different, you know, educational challenges. Yeah. I still found some way to get in push. <laughs> um, so at that point, I mean, you making records for sure. I know you were part of making surgery. Yeah. Right? Well, no. Well, I made a record, me and clientele, before surgery. It was called Wait Two. No, it was the same year, but it was just before surgery. It was called Slice, and we just doing it, learning because we that we were new to the drum machine, 
knew the keyboards, all that stuff. All this was brand new. Wasn't no going on online and listening to somebody's stuff. No, it was all trying to figure out how to make a machine work. You had to read the manual back then. Facts. It wasn't on your phone and everything is there. It was just. And what was y'all cooking with then? When your first joint? It was a, the first one was the MXR. MXR. It was just learning and it was, it was okay. But then the first song that I did, me and Clonte was on the Lindrum. Oh, I know what that is. And I just same had to, that did Roger Lynn. Yeah. So he had his own. Same. Show. The same. Then we went to the DMX. That's what we use for most of the music. DMX and the SB12 and the 1200. That's crazy. You was already making 13 records for 13 years before you stopped. <laughs> so you probably could be done with it. Yeah. So nothing pushes your mind to do no crazy shit now, like just as a creative, because no matter what, even when I argue with Doc, when I go see Dre, right? Mm-hmm. I'm arguing with Cuz, like, mm-hmm. he trying to act like you're not cool, bro. You, <laughs> your mind can't be, like, he always be like, man, you always got some shit going. I'm like, how could you, like, how could my mind stop trying to have shit going? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't know. Like we, I, I feel like all our experience has been so crazy that, yeah. like, I want to make a comic book. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't. My my little bro Metro man, shit, we do marketing shit. Uh-huh. You know what I mean, we just constantly learning new shit about life, and we lie to ourselves like it's about money. Yeah, you know, we be lying. I, I tell him all the time, <laughs> you only feel like it's about money because that's just you train to feel that way. Yeah. But it's like this pursuit of just doing some dope ass shit all the time that drives it. Yeah. And I'm just trying to figure out like, how do you curve that? Because if you was making records in 82, nigga, you still <laughs> to even be ahead of yeah. hip hop at that early. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I just was working on a joint. Um, and it took me back through some crazy studies because mm-hmm. uh, it was, uh, it's based off planet rock. Okay. So it's the, it's the whole electro. Yeah. So I'm studying, doing my homeworks, and to only realize hip hop was influencing R and B. I mean, like a like Planet Rock probably is how Midnight Star finally yeah. started getting naked. Oh yeah, you know what I mean, definitely. And at a time when R and B was suppressing hip hop, so yeah. how do you curve that creative? Because I know it's still there. Like how do you stop? You know, some I don't think it's there. It's just after the funeral, and I seen you know I have never seen a minute of a couple of the funeral. I never seen them put the casket in the ground and put the dirt and hammer it down. I'm like, I never, they just wanted to do that for nobody would steal nothing or whatever, you know, these weird people. And right then I just, there was a couple of guys with me. I said, that's it. I'm done with music. I didn't think about it. Didn't analyze it. It was just like, it's gone. It's just like, it just flowed out. But even the other creative parts, like, cause you end up starting to do some stuff. In, in the movie, I did the movies longer. I did them 15 years, 350 movies. I mean, I filmed everything, edited everything, took all the pictures, did all the music. I was like a one band, just everything. 15 years straight. And it was just, I was doing four or five movies a month. Who the fuck started you? Who the fuck made you think you could do like DJ Yellow? Yeah, I'm a movie. Nigga, what? Yeah, like, that's a curveball for sure. Like, yeah, how did you? My buddy, my buddy, big man, rest in peace. He brought the idea. He first he brought it to E about porn. Sure. And E just kind of just did nothing. He brought it to me. All right, let's do it. Because see, I thought my initial thought was like a producer. Like we do music. Yeah. We do a gym. 
That's what my idea to make movies like records, four and five records a month. So it's four and five movies. He brought it to me. I didn't mess. So I went out and bought the equipment, everything. Didn't Just know like how to use none of it. Same shit. Had to learn it. <laughs> That's fucking cool. Yeah, it just so it came nothing in. Nothing fucks with you. Nothing about nothing. You don't see nothing and you be like, I need to create something in this. Nah, nothing. I, I, I'm satisfied with life. Right. I, from my opinion, I think just me seeing it, mm-hmm. it's like with how everybody treat your generation, just not even your generation, yeah. you, you guys, mm-hmm. NWA and stuff. Y'all are like, like y'all on Mount Olympus, it's like <laughs> Zeus. That's true. You know what I mean? It's like Poseidon don't need nothing. I mean, like even though in two did. weeks we getting a Grammy lifetime yes, award, yeah, and it's like, just okay. That's cool. You know, it's just time, yeah. I'm just satisfied with life. What's that's the last thing? Here's something. What's the last thing that punched you up? She was like, man, I kind of think I want to do fuck. However, we create minus anything. I don't mm-hmm. give a fuck if you woke up and wanted to draw a picture. Mm-hmm. When the last time you felt like creatively you needed to express? Not since I can't remember. Since movies was the, that was it. So DJ and I ended the movies the same way I did music. Okay, I'm done. It's over. So does D? You think DJing as even when you have to DJ at this point and creating those daily mixes when you have to kind of. Like not daily mixes, but when you go because you always getting booked, like right? Yeah, yeah. Like boy was telling me all kinds of shit, right? When you mix, mm-hmm. is that kind of like kind of the same thing where you creating a flow? Um, I'm having fun DJing, like in the old days when we was first. Me and Dre was first DJs. That's the fun I'm having. It's because it's not. I got to create this. I got no. I just. A dipmas, a different atmosphere. Cause like next week I go to Australia. I'm always out the country, and they still love hip hop, yeah. like the old days, the '80s and the '90s. They still got it. I don't know if it's because they're behind times or whatever, but they still like the old school. And that's all I play is old school. Yeah. I'm playing nothing new. Well, everybody like it. Yeah, we, it's something about it. that music. It's, it's, it's got real soul in that music. It's, yeah, it's, it, it means is. something. Yeah. And, and DJing is the same way. When I, just a few years ago, it came to me. DJing? I never wanted to DJ ever again. It just came to me. I'm like, nah, they don't use turntables. I'm like, well, wait yeah, I said crazy. I'm like, wait. Little fucking controllers. controllers and I, yeah. But then you got, I, had, oh, I jumped in it like, okay. But see, I jumped into different from everybody else. Everybody else just carried a needles, headphones. No, I'm bringing my unit. I want to be the same every night. Cable. Same equipment, sure. my same microphone. I think of it just like music. Sure. I'm doing it all. So that so maybe it is DJ. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had a dope conversation with Lonzo about DJing. Mm-hmm. I was talking to him about I was writing kind of these. I like again, I'm one of those type of creators where like, I'll be focused on one idea, like OG, mm-hmm. he's talking about, where I'll make an album, but behind, I'm writing something. Yeah. So, like, I started writing kind of this hip-hop story of the West Coast mm-hmm. pre-NWA. Oh, okay. Because all of us grew up, like, me, him, you know, he's mm-hmm. younger than me. For our, our lives, NWA starts hip-hop on the West Coast. Okay, yeah. But now you're starting to learn about Uncle Jam's Army. Yeah. You're starting to learn about... Yeah. You know, world class wrecking crew, yeah. and then you kind of get into the clubs. And the yeah, like, yeah, I never knew niggas went to Alpine Village. 
Because <laughs> when I right. got a car, yeah. niggas does not take your ass up there. Yeah, you, you ain't going to tour. Take your ass to jail. <laughs> but with them people over there, the white folk. You know what I mean? So right. I was talking to Lonzo about that mm-hmm. Alpine Village stuff. And so I started writing. But I was just starting to really notice how, like, y'all are the first that took to hip-hop DJ. Yeah. And I just thought that was dope. Oh, yeah. You know I mean? So now for you to come back and love it is dope. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think we love it, too. I think we even love it here still. I think we mm-hmm. just don't have the opportunity. Yeah. I think um, I, I didn't travel not like nearly as, as mm-hmm. much as you, but I didn't travel a lot. Mm-hmm. I think America is such a victim of, what's the word? Uh, convenience. Mm-hmm. So whatever's current. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah, yeah. Whatever's easy. Yeah, but you can't tell me that if you don't put Yella or mm-hmm. Battle Cat in some place at some bar DJing a yeah. set, we don't show up. Especially if it's right there. Yeah, but I think the promoters are just lazy. It's like, oh, what's the next hot thing? Yeah, they're, they're not. not they're not. I mean, they can call themselves promoters, but it's a totally oh, different not game. Promoting. Yeah, it's just. A flyer they make on their phone or what? It's no. And they make it on their phone. Yeah, it's it's different, you know. Oh, Facebook and that that don't mean nothing. I got two hundred seventy thousand people on Instagram. Okay, but none of them live here, so I ain't dependent on filling this place up with the fan because they from all over the world. I mean, I can change that, but we ain't gonna go there. Yeah, that's a great conversation. <laughs> yeah, I can make sure y'all link y'all up. Exactly. Yeah, because he will tap your shit in. But see, but again, this is one of those type of creative yeah. things that we just. I don't think I don't know. Like and and again, I don't know what NWA success feels. This is different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, you start fucking the world up. You know, maybe you fuck up the world, you get tired. But it's so hard to imagine me not creating. Mm-hmm. Like maybe not records. I could see that day. Even then, yeah. it's hard because I'm just starting to. Like I didn't. Man, I, I was hustling the whole time. So when hip hop saved my life, it was really. No, you still away. hustling. Yeah, it's just in you. Well, now, now I'm not hustling at all. Yeah. Now I'm just in love with this. Yeah, shit. I'm. But it's still records. hustling. It's still. Yeah, you. But you're starting to find ways yeah. to. What I'm starting to find ways is like I, I gave you this vinyl. Yeah. Piece. I don't gotta be there to get the money. Yeah. Today, like I'm looking at my phone, so my homeboy outside of me and what mm-hmm. I do and do my, I go do my promotion. Then my yeah. homeboy then. Strung to where people can order music directly from me. Yeah. And I sell my autograph album, my autograph CDs. Mm-hmm. I'll probably do four or five a day. Yeah. So I'm not there. And that is a cool way to, because it don't feel like hustling now. Yeah. Like a, it's the same, but it's just a, cool. it's a new level. <laughs> but I just couldn't imagine not creating. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, I, like I said, I was writing something. I was writing the album that I, that I just gave you. Mm-hmm. And then behind the scenes, I'm writing hip-hop on the West Coast from 78 to yeah. yeah. Just starting with Roger and Lonzo. Oh, yeah. How, he told me the story how they worked at Alpine Village together and then how they start going different and yeah. finding different DJs. Yeah, when they became different, and then that's when I came right in. I mean, because when I came in, Dre was not even a thought. Mm-hmm. It was two, three years down the line before he went. Even around. Sure. So I did all the legwork, hanging posters, snatching posters. See, back then, you know, it was like this crew, us, we enemies. I mean, like Uncle Jam, we still believe, enemies. I, I swear. <laughs> so listen, it's funny. So my man, Super Six, Edwin, who actually 
used to finance a lot of the Uncle Jam's army. Yeah, when with so this drag race, and stuff. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So Edwin drag race with mm-hmm. my dad. Okay, so I've been on Edwin since I was a little kid. But oh, I didn't know Super Six. Mm-hmm. That's what we call him. I didn't know he was involved in nothing hip hop related. Oh, okay. Edwin is like this esteemed kind of grown. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, when he talked to us. Yeah, he's yeah. super cool. I haven't seen him since them days. He had a crazy stroke. I'm praying like... Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, Lonzo told me. But yeah. I'm saying, he used to, when I realized that he was a part of it, mm-hmm. and none of them will admit that it had to be a com- competition level. So the only people to ever admit it was you and Lonzo. Yeah. But I wrote the story, ironically, like mm-hmm. these two competing party crews. <laughs> because that's what hip hop really is. I mean, like. No, it's a party. My first time going out snatching posters. We call it the rip. You don't take the whole poster. You just rip the, the date and the time and the place. <laughs> so all you see is Uncle Jan Army nothing on the bottom. So I'm, I'm on Century and Western. It's a lot of poles on there. I'm ripping them. Roger show up. <laughs> but I'm with my guy. He's seven two. Sure, we both from Compton. Yeah. We don't know oh, nothing about this. Oh yeah, the shout out to Roger. Yeah, they Roger them was from. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Out South Central. And I got a five pound staple gun in my hand. And he come up. You know, they come up on us like, "What you doing? I'm snatching these posters. That is my poster. Okay. What? You know, we like. What I'm you gonna do? Bush, you don't know me. Brother, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we from Compton. Hands in. You don't want to mess yeah, with us. Yeah. And, that, and that was the first time I ever met him right there. They didn't say nothing else, but y'all, we kept on putting our posters on top of their posters, right in their face. That was crazy. So what was <laughs> the competing venues at that point? It was, well, was we had the club the Eve After Dark. Yeah, Eve we had a steady play. They would do veterans. No, they did the college, Different yeah. places. The uh, uh, sports arena. It was just, but then there was another crew called the Virgin Productions. We, they hung their posters on ours. Who the fuck is that? They was, I think their career was over after this one night because the Wrecking Crew, we all went to their dance before, you know, early. We mopped them up. Really? Right? Wait a minute, who in the Wrecking Crew <laughs> at this class that's mopping motherfuckers up? <laughs> it, it was Lonzo, me, Unknown DJ. So it was like unknown. a whole from that neighborhood. It was a bunch of us. So unknown was with so unknown in the fuck with Uncle Jam adventure. No, no. Well, how did he unknown? Do cut. Well, that was after the wrecking. After Eve after dark ended, and we started doing music. Sure. That's how I ended up doing that. That's cool. but see that's but un- unknown was there before me in the wrecking crew. I never knew that. Yeah. Wow! Oh, you a youngster. But I I always tell Dre, Uh I'm telling you, I tell Cube, y'all do a horrible job of telling. Like, well, if you read my book, you know, and that's what I had to do. I I didn't even know you had a book. That's my fault. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, we gotta know this shit. Yeah, because this is the funniest shit about it. Like, I I always share with the homies because like. It's a party. These niggas was all partying because somewhere when we came up in the game, we were just all gang members. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, we did go to parties. You go punching another people's community, but you didn't realize that's what hip hop was about. Yeah. Somehow we looked at NWA as if it wasn't fun. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because it was fun. The music was very active. Even the world class wrecking crew was all fun shit. Um, But somewhere along the line, it got away from that concept of, this all is the descendant of party. Because 
There was no mute, no money. Early days of NWA, Wrecking Crew, there was no it was money. Girl. That's it. That, that was my pay. Yeah. That, if you could talk your game. Get you up in here. That, that's it. You know you come up in here. <laughs> Finna get you ain't got to pay. <laughs> Feel me? You know I, I'm the man. So, so we had a different drive. Well, I, I can't speak for them. I had a different drive. I, it was about the girl. It wasn't about nothing else. It wasn't about the I, money. And then, and the man. My whole career had never been about money. It can't be though. I don't care about yeah, money. It can't be. Yeah. It's nothing. I tell him that all the time, and and he think I'm crazy. I'm like, when you, really <laughs> well, that's not what the music. They don't get it. Even I'm music. Not, I'm not attacking no, the music care. for money but, though. But you know of, that. No, no, but no, not like that. I mean, none of it can be about money because if it's about money, I really genuinely believe you sell it short. Yeah. Like you have to kind of be entrenched, like in in like entrenched and just. Fucking shit yeah, up. Absorbing it. Yeah. Fucking yeah. shit up. Just if you gonna promote, you got the best party on yeah. the block. If you gonna make record, your record go jam the hardest. This is kind of the people to me who really get paid, this is what they're thinking. Yeah. They cannot be thinking of how to make money because you would take too many shortcuts. Yeah, well now I think money. nowadays it's about the money. Yeah, yeah. Because it's overnight, you know, your success overnight, do something on TikTok or whatever and you're hit. You know, it's like well, no effort, no skill. Very, but it'd be no gone nothing. quick, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very, so you can get that. Barriers of entry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, even when I first came, like, my engineer, Guido, you remind me of Guido, mm-hmm. JLE, but that nigga slammed the door in my face. Like, you got to get tighter. <laughs> like, remember, everybody didn't have a studio. This oh, yeah. Three, four. Everybody didn't have no fucking oh, studio. Okay. Oh, yeah. Not More that people had it than fucking 1990. But everybody didn't have it. So yeah. we recording on that. That means you got to pay to record. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All this crazy shit. And somebody really got to know how to work. Yeah. Shit. yeah. It ain't just <laughs> in the box. Yeah. Right. Oh, I mean, and especially in our days, it, really? that's why we learned everything. Mixing, court, everything yeah, from scratch. Who you didn't know. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I was I was thinking about that. But so unknown DJ was who originally was in the world class <laughs> Alonzo. When you first came. Unknown. And then the other people that were just, wasn't DJs. Dr. Rock. That was one of the first DJs. I don't know what that is. Dr. Rock. He was a wrecking crew. He was the main DJ there. He's from right around the corner from the E. Oh, wow. Yeah, Dr. Rock. Then Dr. Dre came. Where does the name come from? (laughs) But yeah, Rock was there. And so funny. He was the hottest. He was the hottest DJ. Get but when I got there, when I got there, he was only there one week. The next week, he vanished. Uh, hold on, those are some bar that you say like how there was a dude named Doctor Rock and then yeah. Dre, and then Dre coming in behind, and he like, I'm just gonna I have a name like him. <laughs> I then, ain't saying no, 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 no. I'm not saying like that. But that is what happens, right? And then that person becomes even bigger. And I know Doctor Rock, like, hold up, like this doctor, I'm the doctor. Like everybody look at him as the doc. And cause I know that has to be kind of irritating to a certain degree. But you get that's part of the game too, where you got to be like, man, I I gave Dre his name. He's looking up to me. You might, yeah, you know, but a Dre lot of people might even, not know that. But Dre wasn't even thought of. It was a couple of years. Yeah, I know. So, so for even, even two, three years, I, yeah. I get it. Like. That's that's a ill thing. How you just said that. I didn't want to just breeze over that to yeah. you. I'm like, that's crazy. Shout out to Dr. Rock. Yeah, yeah shout out to Dr. <laughs> yeah. Rock. Yeah, because he went, <laughs> he had to leave town because some guys or something, he let them use their car, whatever it happened, and they, something happened, he had to leave. He they went to Texas. Regular, and they got a regular job. Nah, he so. went and being a, uh, he was a DJ in Texas. Texas. 
Yeah. Shit. Oh, yeah. Damn. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. i never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Uh, Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. 
Listen to Woke App Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, And to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. So that was the first class you was taking down the rips, poster. Rip. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So did you ever did you ever sit down? Did you ever talk to uh, Roger? No, never. Did you he, ever go to all that was jam shit? Never. Because I was de- I was DJing. Yeah. So me and Lonzo would go up like when they first did the, the sports arena. Yeah. We get up there early and just check it out and, and that was it. We go back to the club. But yeah, and I mean that was they was the enemy. Anybody besides us was the enemy. That's dope though. <laughs> How does Leor play into this? Was he anything of a promoter at that time? Who? The white man, Leor Cohen. I know they say he was a promoter, but I don't think I don't, I don't know, know if he was a factor. He's from LA. The dude that was running Def Jam that's over YouTube music. I don't know. I not I never heard him. That's he crazy. Was a promoter. He was he's he's a from LA. And now he I didn't even know Leo was from LA. Leo was hanging out mostly on New York though. He was uh doing a lot of was he Def Jam? No, Leo is originally a dude from LA. Like he'd been out here and went to college out here. He was promoting on the same Really? Okay. I'm telling you, man, I've been getting the game, Lonzo. <laughs> In school, he'd be like, "Yeah, that dude," and different people say, "Man, I know him." Well, for the, for people listening, he tell he like um, uh, explain about how the 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 family trainer Leo Cohen, Cohen, like who oh, he's yeah. responsible for. So everybody that signed a Def Jam post nineteen eighty four, there you go. Oh, that wow. he signed them. All these people signed a YouTube. He started three hundred. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. he's like one of the most powerful people in the music business right now. He's over YouTube. Oh, so he's okay. like a brilliant man, but he's from LA. Mm. He was a uh, I think he's a Jewish man that that uh oh, he's from uh, from most parties. You're not from no, nah, he's not from here, but he's from somewhere else. But he cut his bones right here in LA. Really? And around the same time, uh, uh Russ came and got uh the posse, mm-hmm. Daryl and all them. So yeah. shout out to LA Posse, Daryl, Bobcat, uh uh Poole, yeah. Buff and them. He met Leo. Oh Leo okay. became kind of like over management for Dev Jam over Rush. Oh, okay. So Lear started signing all of the stuff. So that was a part of the whole. Mm-hmm. Again, LA don't really, excuse me, the West Coast in general don't get a lot of credit. Don't get none. Hip hop. <laughs> but yeah, we was important even in Dev Jam because, you know, before that you had to, to me, it seemed like you had to have like hella like <clears throat> weird acts like Beastie Boys. Like you have a punk rock group yeah. that makes well, hip-hop they had to get on the radio. Yeah. We had no radio play so, on the West Coast. You know, that's crazy. Y'all went gold and platinum with no radio None. play. And just Zero. People just. Exactly. Like, no video play because MTV banned us. Hell yeah. Man, I didn't realize they had banned Rick James, too. Did they really? You were in good company. 
Wow. I mean, at the time, that sounded like a bad thing. Like, they banned us, but I would but love that, it. Because that was the only thing, the only way you could see videos. If YouTube and Instagram was like, we banned Metro, I would love it. I'd be like, yes, Oh, yeah, but that's what helped us. Like, we got to if you like, market it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, so what they do is, like, I go through a lot of that stuff now because my music is so, like, culturally salty True. that they kind of shadow ban it. And they won't ban you because they like, oh, it's talent, but you can't market it. Yeah. Can't be saying cancel these nuts everywhere. Yeah, and I'm just talking crazy. I'm just talking <laughs> shit. Buy it in stores now. Why is this too raw? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's. I mean, but it's real. Nobody want real. Nah. Nobody want what people really say. Nah. <laughs> so when you, I just, you know, I'll never forget, I, I make Tupac Must Die, right? And to me, it's brilliant, right? It's, it's crazy, right? Shout out to Nick. Nick is on the mic. Nick is actually the, uh, one of the programmers, one of the most important programmers on the West Coast, right here, iHeart. You feel me? KGGI, Al Nai. So when I said Tupac must die, he was like, because it was like a thing, right? But to me, making that song, I was just thinking what hip hop was, right? This is me after meeting Eric B. This is after meeting uh, 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 Herc. This is after sitting down, all the knowledge finally coming together, and I could make uh-huh. sense out of hip hop. As this street urban kind of experience. Mm-hmm. And we giving people an entry into a life they didn't even believe exists. Okay. So I'm circling myself back to 82. <laughs> right? So I, we make that good by ourselves. That was a, that was my first gold record, and we made it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like It was no label. Yeah. This is just me understanding the party. So it's like, okay, I'm going to get in a party. He's a nigga who don't even like the party, like, yeah. I'm going to make me a party song. Now, competing, I got me one, right? Now I'm figuring out hip hop, got records, and I'm getting marketing. I'm like, damn. So hip hop kind of is like this take into this world that they never, people didn't believe Compton was real. Yeah, like all exactly. the shit that y'all was talking about niggas. <laughs> it was like, man, G, it ain't really. Like, yeah, it is. That's, I mean, it's fun, but yeah, that's pretty much the attitude. Everybody talk like that. Right. You know what I mean? Like they didn't, like I had a conversation with Doc. He's like, man, I don't know, man. I feel like we influenced so much bullshit. No, y'all just was saying the shit niggas was saying. Yeah. I could see if you came up with some of this shit, but yeah. you, you ain't the first one that said nigga, call a woman a bitch. This was normal. I heard all these niggas talking like this. Big <laughs> G rating them, this how they talk. Right. So as I'm kind of making my own journey in modern times through, you know, basic hip hop, it was like, what does fuck the police sound like today? Mm. Like, fuck the police today don't sound like that. They play that shit on CNN. Yeah. <laughs> White man be like, fuck the police. When like, them niggas made that shit when I was a kid, I remember black churches being mad as fuck. <laughs> and them motherfuckers finna get people killed. <laughs> fuck the police today is pound town. My, my pussy pink, my booty old brown and sexy red type shit. It's you know what I mean? Little, shit that makes it the shock factor to a degree. It's different. Riling right? people up. Only because it just wasn't like that song ain't even. I don't even know why people making all them things are accurate. Yeah, who cares? Exactly. Her, it, they're just making a big deal out of something that's really late. Yeah. It wasn't really like a prolific stance. No, 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 no. Right. So, but the audacity, like we talk about, sure, yeah, the audacity. Tell people your pussy pink. Like everybody <laughs> had no put. You got a good point though. Yeah. So, but so I'm working on it, right? And I'm like, what does this sound like? So now I'm, and this is crazy how. I, Chronicle my career, right? I'm like, okay, I got my party song. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm right here at the world class ranking. Now, how do I get to straight out of Compton? What does that sound like today? What's the stance culturally? I mean, that people don't know. Where can I invite them to 
that they never thought this is how niggas like where I'm from think. Mm. So I start, I swear to God, it was this deep. Yeah. I started looking up the word culture, mm-hmm. fashion, location, religion. And one of the words was morality. Mm-hmm. Swear to God, it was like morality. That's a part of culture. Things that, you know, certain places think is right and wrong. Yeah. So I'm looking, I'm like, damn, morality. I ain't never heard NWA. They they made a song about attitude, but morality is I can go deeper. You know what I mean? Mind you, these motherfuckers been putting on for the coast for 40 years, so everybody know us. Right. Everybody know everything about our culture. <laughs> Every street urban culture, they know everything. Them niggas argue with me about gang. I argue with them I'll be like bro yeah it's really just you and your friend no it's more it has to be more you you have to follow a rule in this bylaws you have to sign it's not like that (laughs) you and your friend bro you know what I mean it's really you and the guys you grew up with and sometimes shit happen and you gotta handle it you know right there exactly but I'm working on it I'm looking at morality I'm studying it and I'm like damn so What's a moral stance that we all have right here that nobody else has? And I came up with two different ideas because I realized from a marketing standpoint, it had to be a story everybody knew. They just didn't know our side of the story. So I came up with two ideas. Remember, it was uh, the John Wilkes Booth. No, no, no. That was that was one for the TV show. Okay, I was I wrote this dope TV show. Two sides. The one about the, uh, the L.A. riots. Yeah. When we talked about how the dudes from A started the ride. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Monster. Yeah. I had that idea yeah. and I kind of finagled the idea called Any White Man to Do or Tupac Must Die, right? Which was kind of this story about how if you jump somebody where we from, mm-hmm. yeah. we all know you might get shot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And can't and nobody. Yeah. You guys heard it? Yeah, I have. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. It's more but, the, the visual. Sure, all the time. Yeah, they think of it. And to me, it was like Shakespeare and shit. Like, exactly. And part of like, it, the title is so disrespectful. And I'm like, disrespectful? It, like, trust me, if you jump a nigga from where we from, they not going to say you must die. It's not going to come out that way. <laughs> and that's exactly. that the part of the title, too, came on, like, me with him talking so much about marketing and stuff. Me telling them like, yo, people buy into two things like movies and movements. So if you have a, like in the real had a movement. Yeah. Another thing, I was like, we don't have a big movement, but you are one of the best storytellers ever. Like, so I'm like, it needs to be like a movie. And then you think of Romeo must die, John Tucker Tuck- must die. Those are movies. So it was just a play exactly. off of that. So we just took everybody to the movies over the weekend. So it just like how he reacted yeah. to it like everybody was like this is crazy you know what I mean it ain't something you keep revisiting over and over but nah. you remember if you've seen it it's like I seen that like you know what right. I mean and yeah that was the a lot of thinking people just and re- like, no glass because you're saying you're saying he must die I'm like bro that's not tough <laughs> that is if if I had it'd be like fuck Tupac or, yeah. I hate Tupac that's what we would say but it's you know Shakespearean to say it's poetic yeah. this person must die but right. long story short, as I started to figure out the idea, and I'm like, okay, I know how we all know how it goes. So I just need to explain how it goes. But that kind of became me getting into 1988. Mm. I was like, okay, let me write this kind of this cultural take about something that everybody knew about. Mm-hmm. And then it, to me, when we first was doing it, you know, Metro co-producing a joint and 
I'm like, okay, this is cool. And even making the video, it was so second nature because this is like something that I went through. Right, right. I got jumped by niggas and I'm right. bust on them niggas. Right, niggas exactly. Jumped me like that. <laughs> yeah. Could have gave me a head up. Nigga, y'all know me. <laughs> <You're right>. so, <laughs> it made sense. But watching, like y'all have like this hella crazy blueprint. Mm-hmm. Your whole generation. And I don't just mean NW. I'm talking yeah. about the first day you got a fucking turntable. Yeah. It's a hella DNA right there that we don't really focus. And I'm glad I learned it. Yeah. So even sitting down talking with you, you know, I I never thought I was going to come ask yell about it. Nigga, I know your life. Nigga, they made a movie. <laughs> Nigga, I know niggas that know you. Yeah. <laughs> told me you was early in DJ. Yeah, you know, I knew I know niggas that know you. Yeah. So I know the story of it, but just to really politic with somebody who has the experience of where like I finally fell in love with hip hop. Mm-hmm. Now I get to talk to somebody that saw it start. Yeah. Not nineteen eighty seven. Yeah. But nineteen seventy nine. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Coolio was telling me he was right. Like, I was rapping in seventy nine, rest of so <laughs> Well, Coolio right. used to come when I DJed. Coolio used to come down to Eve. Yeah. Wow. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah he like I'm thinking right. That's in the Athens. Yeah. Yeah. So a nigga from Mona Park going to the Athens. I guess yeah. it probably wasn't that bad. Yeah. Nah. It, 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 the colors. Because I, no I was party. from a totally different neighborhood sure. than that. Sure. sure. <laughs> I was out of pocket there. Yeah. But I had to pass. <laughs> sure. So I could imagine how Coolio was going through the acting. Right. That's crazy. But you know what, Glasses, did uh, Did Lonzo ever tell you uh, who kind of kept it, you know what I mean, for the gangs wouldn't be tripping? A uh, cat named, he from the west side, named Yellow Ice. Nah, tell me about him. Well, Lonzo told me and I heard it from Yellow Ice. His real name is Keith Duncan. Uh, Lonzo, because I even asked him, I said, man, he's like, yeah, well, Keith kept everything, you know, peaceful. You know what I mean? Because he, he he knew a lot of people from both sets. You know what I mean? From both, I mean, multiple hoods, not sure. this, but, and, uh, but yeah, he, he was, he, Lonzo said he's the one kind of kept the peace where he didn't have no, no gang violence going on up there at the eve after dark. Westside's always been a really influential, yeah. even before it was like extra gay. Like, I remember when you really start hearing about them in a violent way is when mm-hmm. I tour with the nothing. But previous to that, they were a really influential, you know, get some money and they were meant something mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of what was happening. Right. So that's dope to hear that. Um, Eve, that's that's crazy because I, I think about that all the time and I was just looking at that Super Bowl performance and they had mm-hmm. that sign there. So that was cool. I like, yeah. I like when they give hints at where all this shit started at. Oh yeah. Yeah, what'd you think about that when you seen that on the Super Bowl? I thought that was player. I thought it was important. Um I'm 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 always on Dre and them. Like even Dre was cussing us cussing us out about Tupac. He was cussing me and Mitra out about Tupac. Man, God damn it, classes. You always got some shit going on. It's like, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. So, <laughs> him cussing me out just made me smile. Like, right, yeah. He knew I was just getting off. Because it was like, this is just hip-hop. This, I'm not, this is not a stance. This ain't, right. I didn't full say fuck nobody. This is just me being dope and people being so, mm-hmm. in, in, like I said, intrigued with how right. he grew up. Did you, you explain to him, though, that that's not what the record's about? Well, once he figured it out, it made sense. And then everybody else told him I think I don't think he actually looked at him or DJ Quick. 
Quick cussed me out. Man, Quick did a concert somewhere, and he was on stage going off. Man, fuck glasses, punk <laughs> motherfucker, talking shit about Tupac, and I'm just looking at the shit, laughing in the video, like, look at this nigga. Yeah, me and G was kind of nudging each other while, like, looking at all this shit, like this shit. It was hurt. amazing. Like, like, like I felt it wasn't like a reach. NWA. A lot of people thought it was like a reach, like a hell mary, and it's like, no, we actually curated and concocted something on purpose. Like, we can continually do this. It was just a. And to see how many people froze up for two, three weeks and everybody was, yeah, it was like. Corrupt. Okay. Like, out. But I think the initial gangsterism of it, like mm-hmm. the nerve. Yeah. The audacity. Heard it, yeah. The always, audacity. Yeah. We talk about always the audacity. He ain't got nothing else. He got $2, <laughs> but he got some audacity. <laughs> exactly. But, <laughs> but no, it was like when they all saw it, they was like, oh, I get it. Even Dre, even, oh, man, I get it. That shit is dope. <laughs> but I get it. You know what I mean? Right. It was mm-hmm. like, you know, I could imagine, like I asked him when they put out Fuck the Police and how crazy it was. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, man, I don't, you know. Yeah, but now you look at that song, that is not how it was. Right. No. That is not how that shit is now. That shit is the theme of the world. <laughs> CNN and Don Lemon up there, be Fuck the Police. Not how it was, bro. It was fucked up. Yeah, yeah. I think so when that... I think when that came out, um, the world was upset at them sure. for putting that out. You know what I mean? It was like, um, dare you say that? Like, like you, cur- like you, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you're talking about the hero. You're talking about the hero. Yeah, you made a song right now. Fuck the fire. It's just funny. All all the like, world, what? Fuck you know, the, fuck all the it was. We just had the balls to say it. The People audacity. been saying it all <laughs> the time. We just happened to say it. But, you know, in our days, you didn't say it to a cop. Yeah. Nowadays, they all in the cop family. Yeah, I'll be filming like, it. I'm like, I swear to God, I'll be looking. I'll be like, he should fuck you up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Don't tell nobody else I said yeah, this on the podcast. <laughs> Some of y'all deserve to get y'all ass whipped. Yeah. <laughs> you shouldn't be talking to no human being that way. <laughs> they be in the cop. Fuck you, motherfucker. NWA list. Don't get fucked up. Ain't that song, nigga. My homeboy, my boy Jesse. Shout out to Jesse, my boy Jesse, who I, you know, we came up street racing together. He got a police job. So he's like a traffic cop. And um, he be pulling, he be like, watch this. Sometimes he'd be on the phone with me and let me hear and all people talking mm-hmm. to him. They'll be doing, he'll be like, this motherfucker been on the phone for 10 minutes. I'm just following him. He don't even see me. <laughs> I see, he said, watch, I pull him over. Watch how they talk to me. <laughs> talk to me crazy. Pull him over. He's like, well, you know, you've been on your phone. Well, no, no, I just was, I was looking at the map. I've been sitting next to you. No, you just making shit up. See, that's the fucking problem with the pole. And they just start going bad. And right. Jesse from the jungles. Yeah. Oh, wow. So he like, fuck y'all motherfuckers. You motherfuckers think y'all too good? He's like, nigga, I'm from the jungles. He be like, gee, this motherfucker from Cerritos talking shit to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> So I don't, I, I'm not like, even when I talk to Doc and them, I don't blame hip hop for this. Yeah, right. I think hip hop definitely gives you some nuts. Now, how you use your nuts is different. <laughs> I don't give a fuck how many NWA signs come on. I ain't never said that to the police. <laughs> you no. lying. I didn't, man, I done said some shit to all kinds of human beings. I'm not going to talk to no nigga that can legally kill me like this. <laughs> yeah. I always figured out as a young nigga fighting the court. <laughs> I don't give a fuck what nobody had to tell me that. Something about talking to crazy to a motherfucker with a gun just never made sense. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he got a badge. He, like when I was in Trinidad, one of the cops sidebar real quick just on the police and the leverage they have. They said they'll have undercover police. They'll know drug dealers is selling drugs on the corner. They'll go up, 
literally shoot the dude, just shoot him in the head and then drop a knife next to him and be like, he attacked me and write a police report that he attacked him and they had to shoot him. And I'm like, that's how they get rid of drug dealers in Trinidad. I'm like, that's crazy. Like if they was doing that out here, like they do some shit like, like that. Just damn, just they just didn't get, it wasn't no just, cameras. Yeah, just <laughs> dome you in the head and be like, drop a knife next to you. He, he attacked you. I, I, I guess as a as a as a as a gang member and as a D boy, you know, for whatever being a gang member means, but as a D boy for sure, I understood their conflict with me. Yeah. It made sense to me. Mm-hmm. You you have a necessary purpose in the community. My job is to not get caught. Your job. Yes. <laughs> that didn't make me hate you. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't hate the defensive end if I'm the quarterback of the team. I get it. This is our job. <laughs> but some people, man, they like I said, the homie be doing shit and they be like, fuck you, motherfucker. Yeah. Be like, bro, you've been on your phone 10 minutes. One time, <laughs> one of them pulled over jail felony and jail didn't have no motherfucking driver's license. He like, he called me. He was like, gee, what's up? I'm like, what's happening? He like, man, you fuck with jail felony? I'm like, yeah, nigga, I love jail felony. <laughs> He's like, all right. For you, that nigga gonna be able to keep his car. Oh, wow. I mean, swear to God. That's what's Shout up. out to jail, because jail gave his car. He called me like, gee, good looking out. It's like, nigga, that is weird. I don't know how that it happened to Steel, son, too. Oh, man. wow. Uh, Chris Steel, last Chris, uh, played, played professional football. He got pulled over by the homie. The homie called me. He's like, hey, is this nigga really your nephew? That's my nephew. <laughs> Lucky nigga, I know your uncle, nigga. Wow. That nigga crazy. Yeah. So I, I've up. always believed in having paid police friends. <laughs> you ain't lying. I don't, I, I, you know what? I get NWA's plight, but I'm always like, no, nah, I'm not going <laughs> to. I'm going to be on my own side, but I ain't going to be saying, fuck y'all. I did a song with AD. You go look it up. It's a song with AD and uh, one of my other homeboys. And it's a fuck the police song. And my whole verse is explaining why I'm not saying fuck the because I, I genuinely believe, like, you better mean this shit. And if I ain't talking about shooting nobody, I ain't got no business there. Fuck. I, when Game, when the whole Black Wall Street shit first started with the G on this shit and Game was putting together shit, he was like, gee, man, we finna diss them niggas. You trying to jump on? Nah. I've been at the shoot at 50 and them, so I'm going to do this other song. You want me to do this song? Okay, cool. This ain't diss nobody. All right, cool. I can't get in the middle of this shit that I don't believe in shooting a nigga. That's right. <laughs> My friends really will shoot you about this shit. I had to be really careful. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us ranging from the artists themselves to the producers, 
or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes... I guess identify the life that I want and and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics, in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday, each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and socio-political factors that have shaped gangster rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects that gangster rap boldly addressed, from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. So Australia, how long is that trip, Mike? What does that look like for you now? Um, it's about fifty hours of flying, forty-five minutes set. I just see. <laughs> so, so it's one day. Yes. Damn. <laughs> All the way to Australia for one. Yeah, and you it's gotta, crazy. Yeah. Sydney is the closest. Yeah. I'm going to Perth, which is six mm-hmm. hours from that. So, like from New York so to LA, it was a twenty-four and a half hour flight. 
think it's 21 plus airport time plus going. Yeah. Like a, a whole day. <laughs> oh, real day. Yeah. yeah. I like how kids said day, like 12 hours. No, for real. So then you drive six hours. That's crazy. I just sold. No, no. We fly another six hours. Oh, six hours of flight? Yeah. No. So it's across the Sydney. country. Sydney. Then perfect, yeah. So it's like landing in New York mm-hmm. and then had to go to LA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So on the other end, of, wow. <laughs> and your set is forty five. Forty five minutes. That's what it. kind of what kind of event is it? Uh, so I don't know because when they when the D I don't DJ parties. I don't DJ the dance. But no, they they just look like a performance. Like a, yeah, yeah. So it's just I seen I seen Jeff do it. Oh, okay, That's Jeff. Yeah, I just said like that. You do you do you, do you work on it? Do you even work on when you get home? Or at this point, nah, you know? no, no. <laughs> so you got your blends from samples. It's and already it's already set. I'm set. How creative do you like to go with that shit? I mean, I do more talking. You know, DJs don't talk on mics no more. I don't know why, but that's how I grew up. You had to talk. You had to get the point. To me, a DJ is not. What you do, it's can you keep the party going from this time to that time? That's all. It ain't about nothing else. If the floor is empty, you ain't doing your job. Who is your favorite DJ, dog? Me. Who's your second favorite DJ? (laughs) Me. I never looked at other DJs. You never saw another DJ? Except Dre, because we had DJ first, and then he come on. Yeah. (laughs) Right. I'm talking talking to that nigga. I mean, you never like no other person. I've never seen any because in the DJ days, we was always in the club DJing. So I never went to, I never been to clubs seeing other DJs. That's how I feel as a rapper. Everybody, my first concert, I was there. Mm-hmm. I was rapping. Yeah. Like, people oh, would ask wow. me about it. They'd be like, man, glad you ever seen NWA. I was like, nigga, I lived it. <laughs> I had the same experiences, yeah. nigga. So oh, yeah. you didn't look at it like that. But now I kind of find myself catching those moments when I can. Oh, really? I got to check you out. I got to come see it. Um, so the first concert you went to, you was actually rapping. At the Normandy Casino in Garden. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> That's the other one. Yeah. The, 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 uh, yeah. Couldn't remember. The Hustler took over. You lying. <laughs> never went to a concert. I never even wanted to. Because wow. I, I, I really believed in the music as like a soundtrack to how we live. Yeah. Like I was living it. Like when Dove C, the shadiest one came out, we was in Lowriders going on the boulevard. I was fresh out of high school. So how old like, are you, glasses? Now I'm 43. Okay. 44, 44. <laughs> oh, yeah. Shit. So we just lived it, dog. I, and who, who was on that ticket with you? You remember? No, I, I did it myself. Oh, wow. Every, my whole journey into hip-hop has been like God replaced. So I lost, I had a, uh, and I know this is a little talking to you. I had a popping ass shine spot on 118th in the moments. And when I lost it, like I tried to open back up a couple, but shit just was, everything that could go wrong went wrong. Mm. So I came up with this idea to start a record label. And I brought it to Kiki Local. I was like, man, I'm going to start a record label. And everybody looked at me crazy. Even all my homeboys, it's like, nigga, you don't know nothing about rapping. I'm like, yeah, but I could rap. Like, I, I got a rhythm and mm. I'm articulate. I ain't never drank or smoked, so I'm sober. Like, I could, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm a great storyteller already. And so I started working on it and I got good at it. But it was all to replace the business I lost. So I opened the record label. So my first concert, nobody booked me for it. We booked it ourselves. Oh, wow. Uh, 
we sold all our CDs ourselves. I mean, I didn't, we came in with the same mentality of hustling drugs. And that's what I'm saying. Initially, I was hustling. Everything about it was uh-huh. making money or how does it help the business. 2011, I started falling in love with the craft, the art of it all, and what made it special. And then I started sharing it with my little bro, with Metro, like, hey, fool, like, it can't be about money. Dre used to say that, I mean, it can't be about no money. Like, Rich ass nigga talking about it can't be about no money. <laughs> but you know what? That's the same thing he tell me all the time. God. And I get anyway. it. And it sounds crazy. I remember it sounded crazy to me. Nigga, I get it. If but, niggas ain't crazy. I tell him and he think I'm crazy. But that'd be the hard thing. Like I we'll said, see. I'm 40, right? I got a 17-year-old, 12-year-old. I got a wife. I'm making music 20 years. You can't even do this eight years, nine years. Like, ain't no money. We just doing it for the love. Wife, like, where, where the money? See, like, where the like money me. is at? I'm just, well, it's different. Now, granted, I, I get what I get what he's saying, but I know what. See, I'm telling you, them niggas is the same nigga. Dre Young is the same. <laughs> yeah, same shit. So, because I don't know how Dre really. He act like he be in there wanting to do something. That nigga just like, man, we just gonna do some shit. <laughs> but it had you have to be driven by the purpose of whatever it is. Oh, right, right. Of course. Like if you making songs for the party, you gotta want it's like your whole purpose gotta be how to make the party go crazy with this song. When you making a film, like how do you, you know, carry out the shit? And it gotta be that way. You do business to make money. I mean, don't let him confuse you. My label called Timeless Music. So my initial, I wasn't like, I'm about to try to get rich. I'm gonna go make rap. Like, no, it's I'm in love with this, and this is what I'm spending my life on. So this needs to generate business, so I can take care of myself, right? Mm-hmm. So it wasn't let's go get rich. I'm gonna make some. I'm gonna make some records, like you know mm-hmm. what I mean. So yeah, just so that's not misconstrued on my. No, no, you no, know, no, on no. That's not what it is. The angle, saying, like what he's saying to you, it is just a business, but it can't be about the money. Yeah, the business is just the business, but you gotta be. I'm telling you right now, I'll be driven by different shit. Like when I opened up my site, that's doing good now, the crib store. Like, I wasn't really worried about making money. I was like, yo, I'm going to open up something. Make a store where people could come and they feel like a guilty pleasure coming to buy something from the crypt store. You know, who yeah. calls it a crypt store.com? <laughs> you know what I mean? That's how I'm thinking. I'm thinking like them niggas start then. And then you just do the business. The business going to pay you anyway. Uh-huh. You know, when I did my first thing at the Normandy Casino, my older brother, uh, shout out to Pooh, but Pooh wanted me to sell tickets for, it was a, a, a guy named Sean Healy. Mm-hmm. He would make all the rappers sell tickets to open up for like different huge oh. acts, right? To get in front of big audience. But he would charge you for the tickets. So he'd charge you $3,000 and you'd have to sell you know, 300 tickets to get your money back. Oh, yeah. And I remember my brother came to me and was like, man, you know, we're going we gonna to give him $3,000 and he's going to let us open up for who was it at that time? It was somebody, baby Lloyd Banks or something. Mm-hmm. Somebody popping in 2004. And I remember looking like, I mean, 2005. I'm like, you know, I'm not paying nobody to bring people to that. That shit just didn't make sense to me as a fuck. Exactly. Yeah. Why the fuck I'm going to pay you? <laughs> I know enough people to come bring. And so I remember telling my older brother, like, yeah, we should just find a venue. And then we going to book it ourselves. And this shit, we, nigga, I've been street racing, low riding, gang members selling drugs. We know a lot of people. Yeah. We'll make them pay us to come see me rap. Exactly. He, he looked at me crazy. He was like, nigga, ain't nobody finna just. I'm like, yeah, my CD been out there. We hustling it. Everybody know it. And they fuck with us. They fuck with me. So they going to pay. And I remember that was our first show. And I sold the tickets. $10 pre-sale, $15 at the door. My first concert, I made $4,000. Mm, wow. wow. My first one. My third concert was for 
Freaky Dre Recipes from Southside. Oh, right on. They booked me for their private event. But I refuse to pay other people to rap. Yeah. I never, when I hear about that, people paying to be, I'm like, you pay to be on stage for a couple of times? I'm like, what? I've never heard of that. I'm like, damn. Yeah, yeah. Game's so saturated. Because we, yeah, the way we grew up, we would never had, we never had to perform in front of somebody, trying to get somebody to like, we just did our own stuff. And this pay to be an opening act, oh, what? That don't make sense. <laughs> it never made sense to me. I'm like. I think the way they look at that, though, is almost like a form of advertising. You know what I'm saying? For like exactly. A, I mean, it's like. It's like yeah, it's but like, then I look at it like, mm-hmm. why are you doing 10,000 songs and nobody know who yeah, you are? <laughs> you have to doing a concert. I don't know who you are. <laughs> a song. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the notoriety that you can say later, I open up for Yellow. I open up for, for Watson Maloney. You know what I mean? It's like. Yeah, it's a different like, breed now. Yeah. It, it's totally different. <laughs> No notoriety, that clout or whatever for the rest of your life. Yeah, your career, you know, and that's what they're paying for. Oh, okay, yeah, I never understood it. Yeah. I, I, I'm with hey, you. Hey, First you know day, what? I was like, no, sir, hey, I will no. not pay. Hey, yeah, like, let me ask a question. Real uh-huh. Like, when you see stuff like, I don't know if you've noticed it, but like, Hit Boy producing albums for Nas, right? Like the younger generation working with the older generation. Is it people that you see? On the West Coast, that's younger, like a generation where you're like, man, I'd like to work with more people. Did you, do you ever want to like be in a mix? Because I feel like me as a producer, like mm-hmm. seeing y'all generation, like on the West Coast, there is like a disconnect where we, we talk about that, like Battlecast should be producing Zoe Sama records. So, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? DJ, uh, Warren G should be producing Wally the Sensei records. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it needs to be, it can't be like, well, well we did our thing and y'all got to figure it out too. But to me, they just separate. You know, they just, but like we said, I don't earlier, think they ever like, get together. But I would like, like he was saying, we feel, I feel like I'm from your tree. I like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? So when you, yeah, he feels like he's from Ice Cube tree. Yeah. So if y'all feel like there's a disconnect, that's where it'd be like, yeah, it's like, it's like cutting off your kids to a degree. Yeah. Like, yeah, hey, y'all figure it out. Grow up without a dad. <laughs> now, obviously y'all figured it out on your own yeah. and we are going to figure it out. Like the next generation going to come with or without yeah. whoever's coming. People are going to figure it out. But do you ever be feeling like, like, yeah, you want to work with the younger generation or like, yeah, rub those elbows and kind of, or is it? Like, I mean, nah, probably if I was doing music, that'd be a smart way. Yeah. To get with the, the new, yeah, the next the generation. People, yeah. I, when I think of like with chronic 2001, I'll just be like, or not even chronic 2001, like detox. I'll be thinking like, man, Dre just missed the opportunity to have obviously corrupt, you know, Daz, all of them, Eminem, Snoop Dre, and he could have had Glasses, Problem, Nipsey Hussle, J-Rock. Like, that was sitting right there in 2007, 8, and he just didn't grab it. And it's like, he would have been responsible for that whole next generation Mm -hmm. to be like, yeah, Dre. And he just was like, nah, y'all figure it out. That's kind of how I feel. But I'm going to tell you, but I'm going to tell you in his defense, and I cannot believe I'm defending it. The New West Press. (laughs) Exactly. But it's really be the landscape, like, I don't think it was the art, the rappers he had the problem with. I think he didn't have a sonic landscape that he felt comfortable, like he felt confident about. Yeah. Like when, like, I I notice you. when you start making music, you got to have like a feel that's going on and then you catch something and then you rock. And I just think he just never caught that feel again about it as far as the landscape of music as a whole. We got, we'll, we'll talk to him. We'll go see him and ask him, but I just think the whole music landscape shifted. I think you have to DJ. Yeah. I think what makes hip hop great is 
you have to DJ. When you DJing, you know what's moving everybody at a party. Yeah. You know what's making everybody feel good. And then the day you stop DJing, that could last a long time based off how much time you put yeah. in. But eventually, like you have to be in, the in tune with to the know streets. What's going on? Yeah. I think yeah. As you get make more money, you, your your fangs ain't as sharp. You're not as hungry. Oh, yeah. You get removed from the street. You're you're on it planes. It's hard to, you, to you know, re- yeah. duplicate <laughs> what you did. I mean, you come out with a, I don't a think hit he, album. Most you don't of the time, come out without not a hit album. Yeah, you're never going to go. But I think the thing too is like. I don't think we ever want Dre to make another Fuck the Police or make another Chronic 2001 or exactly the Chronic. It's yes, like, you know what I mean? Like, let's say Kanye, <laughs> right? I won't with with somebody that. like Kanye, it's like how much he changed directions and stuff. None of his stuff really sound the same and his fan base kind of follows him and kind of still support him as a person. I mean, that's what you, if you still trying to make music over years, you have to change. Of course, yeah. I mean, you like to stay your own style, but you'll be in the dust. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, too short. Kind of got but still, sure, still the same. And I think we don't want that. That's true. Like, like I was hella critical when Drake dropped Compton that Sonic landscape. I was like, God damn it, I need <laughs> funk. Yeah, yeah. It, so it, it 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 has to be hard for any creative to be like, because yeah. you don't want to have a hit album and then. And I know you sitting at, like I said, you sitting at Mount Olympus. You, it's only down you could go. So yeah. it do make you be kind of like, I don't know about putting out nothing because. Yeah, I know he probably look at Compton like, like yeah, it came out at number two. Like, damn it. Like, yeah, it it feels like a. And I'm sure when it left his hand, he felt confident about it. But then, like, if if it, I mean, art is art. But then I think most people, you know, still in the music business. So you, st- no matter who, you still want to compete to some degree. I mean, maybe you don't, but I think if you've been winning as long as some of them been winning, like you want to compete. You don't want to get your ass. Yeah, I see. You see it with Eminem. You see it with him. He be very much trying to still be like, I'm still better than all y'all. And I'm still like, you know what I mean? You see that, you know, so I don't know. I guess it's different people. We all individuals, you know. But And then and then you may feel, like I said, it's, it's, I don't think he ever had the problem with MCs because all of us was already working with us. Like, but I think it got to a place to where it was like the music, man, it's, this music shit is great. Uh-huh. So much shit. And then when you got it, you got it. You're on fire. Don't is like, where you looking in the dark, searching for it. Like, where is this shit at? You know what I'm saying? Where is this shit? So I I, I don't know, man. I, well, you got to get to the point. Got to be done with it. Yeah, I, I mean, just oversee whatever or just go on a vacation. Go enjoy life. Just well, you get to that point. Okay. You can't make another hit. You can't do this. You know, because it's, it's just that's just the way it is. The times change too much. The new generation is totally different. That's why I stay in top 10 with the youth is where even me at 40, I, all my artists are 10 years, 15 years younger yeah. than me. And I yeah. stay very much top 10 with them and yeah. give them game, but also give them room to them telling me certain stuff and me just absorbing it and being like, all right, yeah, let's try that. Like See, my you know problem I mean? is, I'm one of them older niggas that just think he the shit. <laughs> uh, you gotta <laughs> listen to the youth. He no, know, I my, can't believe like, it. Like he's my I son, seventeen. Yeah, my son's seventeen. Y'all can't tell him. Sometimes I laugh because he'd be like, I don't see what's so great about Lil Wayne. What's so good? Da, 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 right? Because he's 17 and he didn't see it. Right? It's just funny to <laughs> see that. Minute. You know what I mean? But but you know what it is like. Also, like I think there's such a space at this point in hip hop. If you you either that nigga or you not. And I think it's the time when you feel like you're not. And so when you convince yourself you're not, you know, it's probably like, yeah, I'm going to do something else. 
But when you know it, you just know it. And, and at that point, you just meshing up how you go match up with current society at that time. Oh, yeah. That's how it is. Like for me as a creative, right? It's like, I got y'all covered, but let me see where I'm going to meet y'all at. Cause I, I can't meet y'all right where y'all at. Yeah. You might have to walk up a little bit more, but I'm going to put out <laughs> some music, but I'm going to catch you right at that. I'm going to cut you off right at the pass and I got you. But I could imagine a time where as a creative, like, I'm not going to be as motivated. Nah. Oh, yeah. Right. Like, I mean, that's, already about that's going to, yeah, it's going to, it's going to happen. We you don't want it to happen, but I for sure wish I could make race. <laughs> I'll probably still be making it by myself. So we didn't really, answer. I'm sorry, we kind of went on a tangent. So do you want to put your fingerprints across things on the coast again or with music at all? Or you nah, just, I'm good. You just not, yeah. I'm satisfied. I'm, but, but to yell the credit, I, I give you credit though, mm-hmm. big dog. You're not the kind of person that won't talk to somebody if they want to talk to you. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. You will, they could come say, hey, and this is what I tell you that I think we got wrong when we came in. Like, we feel like everybody, all the elders should be teachers. Yeah. And they are, but maybe they don't. That's not they drop. I don't think you run this motherfucker trying to minister hip hop yeah. to me. No, no, no. <laughs> we come to your studio. Now, listen, to, listen <laughs> youngsters. Hip hop. No, but if I ever reach for you, yeah. I could always grab you if I had questions. Yeah. Even here today. So I think that's all we really could use. Yeah. I, and I always tell people, like, different. I tell Head, I'll be like, Head, man, you need to make sure you reach out to Yellow. Just, mm-hmm. you know, this nigga knows some shit about DJing yeah. that niggas don't know. So again, I think it's on us to carry the legacy of it all. Yeah. I mean, and past information, like shit we talking about now. So now it's dope to, when I start writing that story, I'm going to be able to reach out and be like, man, look, could you yeah. do this? And I think everything else will work itself out. Oh, yeah. You know, as long as I'm, you know, driving the car, I think I can pop it off. <laughs> I'll be feeling it. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I'm going to just piggyback off what you said because, like, my son, he's 16, right? And so, he know, I be with Yellow a lot. And, you know, he was even talking about, like, these current rappers. He's like, oh, Dad, N.W.A. wasn't all that. I said, son, you, <laughs> you, you 16 and you have no idea. Like, you know, like, like, would you be trying to explain yeah, to your yeah. son? It's like, they don't understand. He's like, oh, well, so-and-so got more money than NWA. I said, well, the money was not like it is today. But I said, and on top of that, they made original music. Yeah. And them niggas is lying. And <laughs> yeah. them niggas all got that money. I'll be telling Mitra all the time these niggas don't got that money. Oh, all I know, but. lying about I know that. So next time you get with your son, you call me on three way. Start telling the nigga who's lying. Glass, look, he he be so you know. And I tell him, I said, son, you got to remember what you think. They don't have that, but see, I mean, you know, because you on you on. I used to be seeing these niggas talk about they got all this money. I'm looking. I'm like, you niggas lying. Exactly. And so I be trying to explain to my son and his friends, you know, they in my car and they, you know, they be teasing me. They call me, oh, what's up, Mr. Yeller? Cause they know he my boy. And I'm like, I'm not yellow. I said, but that's my partner. And they was like, oh, well, how is he? Does he got a big house? And then I said, he got a decent house. I said, but it's not about that. I said, you see these rappers on TV and this and this and that. And I said, a lot of that stuff you see, they don't own it. Yeah, exactly. You know, I said, but NWA, you wouldn't have the rappers you have today without NWA. Yeah, they standing on their shoulders, aren't like we all like exactly. Uh, NBA, them niggas D'Angelo, don't. You start tallying up NWA money, them niggas don't got enough. Let's say like exactly. uh, NBA start tallying up all the money and shit yeah. between the, about yeah, remember just, NWA about three four niggas. Exactly, <laughs> it ain't just yellow, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, out of some niggas, 
Yellow got some money, but this some niggas got some money too. Right. And niggas got some white people money. And look, and so when he like when you gave him this your album, yeah. right? He's like, who who who? You don't know. Yeah, that's the first They drop are the now. reason yeah. that these the labels Randall advisory stickers exist. They created this label because of them. That's, but see, yeah. when a lot of the teenagers or the youngsters, they don't know that. Yeah. Man, my dad used to say something to me. The youth is wasted on young people. Right. Because <laughs> right. if I was, again, I, I remember they used to say this shit. Now That's I'm a hell of a quote. That's a hell of a quote. I'm one of them niggas. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, damn, I wish I knew then because I'd have for sure been a savage. Yeah. Exactly. Because your son, like if I was your son age and I knew what I knew now, I'd be asking these niggas every question. Boy, I'd be a monster by 19. <laughs> for niggas, real. boy, they be government tried to plot to kill me. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I got too much power. Exactly. <laughs> these people going crazy. Exactly. That's tight though. This nah. is like an NBA player today. Anthony Davis standing on Bill Russell's shoulders. Of course, Anthony Davis has way more money than what yeah. Will Chamberlain ever saw, oh, but yeah. he wouldn't exist without them and stuff. So you can't shun him or be like, oh, them niggas ain't nothing compared to them. It's like, bro, you sound that crazy. Part. You know what I'm saying? Again, like, again, again, if everybody, so many, me and Charlamagne talk about this all the time, bro. So many niggas can lie about what they got. Oh, yeah. And then I'll be seeing like, all oh, them niggas lying. <laughs> so that's why I stopped even caring about the money conversation. Even the Oprah's and shit, that shit lying. It's a lot of exaggeration. But I, something I want to say, I'm, I'm going to let you, we're going to cut this shit off. Me and my nigga was talking, right? And mm-hmm. we was talking about easy. Now, I've really been doing a really great job. I don't, I don't like talk. Talking to yellow is dope because I get to talk to yellow. Yeah. But there is certain, like, I can't talk to easy. Yeah. I don't need to talk. I'm not these other niggas. I don't got to talk to you about Drake because I can talk to Drake and Q myself. But I can't talk to Easy at this point. Right? Rest his soul. Now, to know that you and Drake could do NWA, mm-hmm. he saw that. That was evident because of what you was able to do with the world class. Yeah. So even if he questioned it, at least at that point, he'd be like, well, these niggas know how to make the music. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So how the fuck did he figure out Unique was going to be able to do Bone? Because Unique hadn't done anything except the stuff that he did on Ruthless with the, the uh, what's that group? Unique? He did something before Bone? That's what I'm, no, he did, what's those dudes that was on Ruthless? It was two dudes. Um, Not Yomo and Marky. Yes. I did them. Okay. Did he, I did all of them. So then how the <laughs> fuck did he figure out Unique was going to be able to do Bone? Like, how did he get that right? Like, how do you figure I don't that know. Out? Because when they came, when people don't really know, I met them first. Me and E was doing a show. Backstage, they walked in singing, you know, rapping to me. I'm like, Drace told me. You see this guy over here? Go talk to him. Eric just came back in. Y'all talk to him. And by the time we got off the road trip, they was in LA from a bus. And I'm just like, and they heard my song that I made for your more Marky called For the Love of Money. Exactly. I didn't even know they heard the song. I guess Eric let them in and they made the song for it. I don't know if that was first or unique song for it, but I didn't even know they was rapping to it. They said, oh, yeah, these guys rapped on it. Who rapped on what song? How the fuck did he figure out unique was going to be able to do that? I don't like, know. Like, it's easy to gamble on you and Drake. It's uh. easy. I mean, it's, don't get me wrong. It's a challenge because yeah. all young motherfuckers making music. Yeah, Unique had done shit. I don't know how that one happened. That's crazy. 
You know what I mean? You I usually know. always take a group. Yeah. You need to go take them to Dre and yell at the people. Yeah. Like, Unique does the records, and it's just crazy. I guess that he, nigga he must have had a track or something already. He must have had one made. I'm quite sure he must have. Because I'm like, he just came from nowhere. I never heard of him or anything. It was that's crazy. Yeah. Fuck. That's one of them things that in the whole landscape of people mm-hmm. talking about easy and business, that's hard. Yeah. Remember when you lose your producer, then the cash money, before yeah. young money was when they lost Manny. Yeah. Then the no limit. When they lost Beast by the Pound, the end of Bad Boy is when they lost the the, the, the hit man. The end of Death Row when they lost Drake. Right, nah, right. Right. The producers, but ruthless. Right. You spin over and you get unique to produce, which is probably a top five group of all time. Yeah. How the fuck do you figure that out? <laughs> Remember, Nick. Nobody fit. Bad Boy didn't figure it out. Oh yeah. Easy figured that out in the nineties. Yeah. They just. I think a lot of people be underrating, underrating the producer being there. They think, oh, they just nigga making beats. Or he something had, like Eric, that. Eric had an ear, but he didn't have an ear. Sure. He couldn't produce himself to get out of a paper no. bag. Not at all. Or, or yeah, or write a rap. Yeah, nothing. But he just, I guess, took a chance. That's what I think. He just took a chance. Gamble. He knew how to roll them dice, though. (laughs) (laughs) He rolled a 7 and 11, boy. 7-11. Good looking out for tuning in to the No Sillers Podcast. Please do us a favor and subscribe, rate, comment, and share. This episode was recorded right here on the West Coast of the USA and produced by my homeboy, A-King, for the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartRadio. Yeah. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears, real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk? Get vaccinated. But but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. 
Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at, at First, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily Podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.